Hola, hola, hola. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Mujer de Éxito Unbounded, Woman of Success Without Limits. This is Marty Angel, your host, and I am so incredibly grateful for you to be here on this podcast and this episode. You know, there are no coincidences in this world. There is no coincidence that you stop by to hear this episode. It is important that you understand that sometimes we speak English and sometimes we speak Espanol and sometimes we speak Spanglish. Hablamos Espanol, hablamos Inglés y a veces hablamos Spanglish. But anyway, you look at it. This episode is going to be amazing. Once again, this is Marty Angel, your host, Empowering Latina Coach. I am a Latina business coach, and I help the bilingual Latina women entrepreneurs, mujerpreneurs, gain clarity and focus on who they serve so they can up-level from brick and mortar to click and order and rock their six figures. I love coaching the mujerpreneur. But let's get to it. You will enjoy today's episode. I'm so excited. Hoy vamos a tener una plática sumamente importante. Yo sé que les va a gustar. Ready? And today's episode is sponsored by... COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too. If you feel symptoms, even if they're mild, you should test fast. Test positive and at high risk for severe COVID-19? Then act fast with authorized oral treatments that can be taken at home and must be taken within five days from when symptoms begin. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too by asking your healthcare provider if an oral treatment is right for you. Learn about a treatment option at TreatCV19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode. I am so excited of Mujer de Éxito, Unbounded, Woman of Success Without Limits. Today, I have a treat for you. It is your monthly treat. I know you guys are all excited. And I don't ever tell you really who's going to be on because es una sorpresa, guys, you know, every time. But today I'm so excited. I have a beautiful guest besides the fact that she's beautiful. She's intelligent. She's a mover. She's a shaker. And it is just, and she's also a San Diego native. So I'm just really excited to have with us today. A Mujer de Éxito Unbounded and Totally Unbounded, Angelina Mohi, and she is amazing. Say hello, please, Angelina. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. So let me just share a little bit about your bio. If I have your permission, I would like to share a little bit about your bio for the listeners. Like, who is this woman? Well, this woman, let me tell you, has more than 25 years experience working in nonprofit organizations. And amazingly, she's worked for San Diego um, State University and the Research Foundation, Girl Scouts, Planned Parenthood, Sharp Healthcare, 
And she's currently the owner of her own consulting business called Mohi Sunshine Incorporated. And that is so cool. So, you know, she's worked with um, the Human Dignity Foundation, North Coast Repertory Theater. Maybe she'll act for us today. Uh, <laughs> she has she has also been a consultant as a, you know, for people as a chief operating officer and a grants manager. And I hear that she wrote a grant and they just got a new grant with her, you know, newest venture. And um, she is right now. How I met her was I met her through Vida. And Vida is a grassroots nonprofit that supports and promotes health and HIV education while destigmatizing the social barriers. So it's just an amazing. We're going to get to that a little bit, but let's talk a little bit about how did she, you know, what did she study in college to be able to do that? Right. Because, you know, me being a college professor and kids would always ask me, what should I study? What should I do? Well, she's got her master's degree in counseling, marriage and family and child therapy. So she is bilingual. She is an amazing person. And I'm just so excited. She's on the board of directors of Vida Advocacy for Democracy. She's the vice president there and the Equality Business Alliance. Oh my goodness. This woman, if I thought I was all over the place, this woman is that <laughs> right? So, um, help me welcome this beautiful lady. Tell me a little bit about, um, tell me a little bit about your historia of resilience. Cause that's what this is about. Oh, wow. Oh gosh. Uh, I mean, I guess in my, in my experience, you know, growing up, like I said, I was, you know, I'm from San Diego, uh, born and raised my, um, my parents uh, were uh, from uh, my mom's family's from Mexico. My dad's family's from Mexico and Italy. Um, and uh, they both ended up in San Diego. My mom was uh, ended up in San Diego as a baby. My father uh, came to San Diego when he was uh, in about 12 from, uh, from the Midwest. And um, his parents had all, you know, our, my, all my grandparents had been um, from Mexico and Italy. And um, my parents grew up in Escondido. They uh, didn't, you know, they went to high school. My mom got married right out of high school. Uh, my dad was a Vietnam veteran, you know, went, you know, went to Vietnam right, you know, right after he turned 18 and then returned. Um, so, you know, when they started their lives together, you know, they, they just, you know, they were young. My dad had um, a career job at Caltrans, which he started before he went to Vietnam and then came home and continued that job until he retired. Um, my mom, like I said, you know, got married right out of high school. So when, you know, when they had me and growing up, you know, they were always there and supportive and helpful, but didn't necessarily know, you know, how to do that next step. Both of them attended some college, but neither one were, you know, graduates that went to university. Um, they just began their careers. So when I, you know, I grew up in the east part of San Diego, um, where it's a predominantly white community. Um, I grew up with my friends not really feeling much different than them. Um, and then I got a wake up call when I was about 11 years old. My mom was on the board of directors of a, of a national organization, which I'm sure you've heard of called MANA. And oh, yeah. um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
and she was a part of the creation of the Hermanitas program. Okay. And so uh, when they started the Hermanitas program, I was the same age as the girls that they were targeting. So they were looking at a large amount of girls that dropped out between seventh and ninth grade in the Sherman Heights area of San Diego. So because I was the same age, they included me in the program. And I was also helpful because they would kind of bounce ideas off of me. They're like, hey, we think we want to take them, you know, to a courtroom and show them what a judge does. And and do you think that they would be interested in that? And I was like, yeah, of course, that sounds cool. You know, well, I got a culture shock when I first started hanging out with those girls, because in Santee, I was Mexican. And I go to Sherman Heights and I'm hanging out with these girls and these girls are telling me, you are not Mexican. You are not Mexican at all. You know, and, um, and I, it, you know, tease me in a nice way. I'm still, you know, from a 12 years old, I'm still friends with some of those girls to this day. Um, but, uh, it was, it was a wake up call for me to realize that, you know, in fancy, I was Mexican, but I was not, I was not, uh, appreciating my, my heritage the way that, um, that I could have. And that began a, a change in my life. I started spending uh, summers and weekends in Mexicali with my family. I learned Spanish. I always had that Spanish in there, but it was that like, you know, cuando te hablan en español, les contestas en español. And I was like, no, you know, that, that, that <laughs> kind of thing that happens, you know, you're, so abuela te habla en español. And so um, I became very interested right away. And luckily, because it was inside somewhere, I started speaking Spanish. My amazing cousins in Mexicali did not speak English. So it was a sink or swim situation. And, and I, I loved it. And um, I think about it today. I'm so glad I've had numerous occasions where someone will walk up to me and start speaking to me in Spanish. And it's still one of those things that, you know, I'm like, well, how do how do they know I speak Spanish? You know, how can they look at me and just assume I speak Spanish? But at the same time, I think how embarrassing would it be if they walked up to me and started speaking to me in Spanish and I could not answer them? So true. I hear you. You know, I even though um, my mom was blonde and blue eyes, and I'm going to share, that was an amazing story. Talk about a culture shock. Well, one of the things, you know, and, and you and I are, are, you know, decades apart. I mean, it, it, and, and, um, and yet I, it sounds very similar because I, you know, was, grew up in caught in the middle because I wasn't, I wasn't, white enough, right, to be Anglo with my, you know, and I grew up in Chula Vista in a more of a well-to-do area of Chula Vista. And when I would go to Mexico to study, because that's how I continued my, you know, my culture, when I was studying with um, Amalia Hernandez over there in the universities and stuff like that, I was studying. And to them, I was not Latina. I yeah, what, exactly. you are not Mexican, you are not Latina. And it was like, it was like this caught in the middle. You were not white enough, you know, not good enough to be the center of the Oreo and not dark <laughs> enough to be the outers of the Oreo, right? Exactly. I, I get that. Yeah. And I still get that. It's so interesting because um, I love the desert and, and you know, and, and, um, 
over there in Coachella and in Indio. Um, you know, I'm hoping to, to buy a second home over there to retire over there, you know, um, not all the, the whole year, but still, and people speak to me in Spanish and, but yet there are people that look at me and go, I didn't even know you could speak Spanish, but yeah. Right. So I always, I always wonder about that because my cousins are darker than me, but they don't speak a lick of Spanish. Right. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And it was, you know, it was one of those things that, you know, it took me until I was actually around, you know, other people to realize it. Um, but, but when, but when I started working, like, you know, every single job that I've had my whole life has been because I can speak Spanish. Right. And so, you know, I would not have had the career that I had if I didn't speak Spanish. So I'm, you know, I'm so thankful that I, that I realized it and, you know, and listen to my mom when, you know, you think you don't want to listen to your mom and, <laughs> you know, her, yeah, telling you how important it was. Um, and so I, you know, I fortunately, you know, uh, passed on the, those, those skills to my kids and, oh. and, and I'm even lucky that one of my, well, two, almost two, but one of my child, she actually speaks three languages and, um, and my youngest, he speaks, he speaks English and Spanish and a little bit of, of Kurdish. My husband's Kurdish. Oh. So, um, yeah, but my, my middle daughter who's 13, um, they go to a bilingual school. Okay. And so they, um, so they learned English and Spanish, you know, at the school, as well as, you know, with us and family, but my husband is Kurdish. And so she spent a lot of time when I was working with my in-laws. And so she also speaks Kurdish fluently. So, you know, I'm, I oh, wow. just, you know, and yeah, impressed upon them, how it, it changed my life and how important it was for them to know those skills as well. Right. Yeah. It's really, really important. I, my, my youngest is right now in finishing up her, her interpreters. She's actually American sign language um, oh, wow. interpreter. So she's trilingual as well. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it's amazing how, you know, lucky we are. I'm, I'm going to ask you this. So I'm going to, so I, for the longest time, I thought I was almost embarrassed that I spoke Spanish because I remember being told in school, don't speak Spanish. You're not supposed to use Spanish. You're in America. You speak English and only English. And it was like, and so when I was little, I took it as a taboo that don't tell anybody you can speak another language. Now, let me ask you this. Is that how you grew up? Because that's um, because of the difference between your, you know, your generation and my generation. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, it actually was not the case with me because I was more of a novelty. I mean, I honestly, I remember in elementary school, there was three of us in my, in my uh, age range that spoke Spanish. And they would literally, you know, our classmates would stand around us and go, okay, you guys talk to each other because they wanted to hear us speak in Spanish. And we would literally, I mean, we had nothing to say. We would be, you know, speaking to each other in Spanish going, well, what do you want me to say? I don't know. They want to hear us speak. What should we say? And they just thought it was amazing. And so um, in high school, a uh, junior high, uh, the same thing. I mean, it was, there was only a couple, I switched schools. Um, I was never, I never felt like it was a problem for me to speak Spanish. I didn't really have that many people to speak Spanish to. I had one um, Mexican teacher in junior high. And so once in a while, he and I would converse. But again, because people wanted to hear it, they thought it was cool. 
Um, I got teased a little by a friend, you know, he used to call me a bean, but I really don't think his intentions were malicious. I think it was just, you know, it was, it was him playing. Like I never took it as him kicking on me or making fun of me and considering now years later, you know, with Facebook, with politics, with understanding now how people really feel about some of the things and, and the shock that I've seen in realizing, you know, these close friends that you had as a kid and what their views are and how different they are from the views that I have now. Um, I'm surprised because they probably had ideas of discrimination against me or things that they might have now as an adult that they've, you know, had from their kids. But when we were kids, it was not, it was, I was lucky that it was not an issue. Um, so I, you know, Spanish class, you know, there was two of us in class that were native speakers. And so it was, you know, it was, it was a lot easier than what I'm sure you went through. Yeah. And you know what? Um, um, I actually was one of one. So, um, there was nobody that spoke Spanish when I was, uh, when I was young, at least in the school system. And if they did speak Spanish, they came from the barrio and I was not from the barrio. So the barrio girls wouldn't, they didn't like me. And right. then, you know, it was just, it was amazing. But one of the things that I think is beautiful that you touched upon is the fact that children do not discriminate, really. They are, they're not racist. They don't see color. And that was the one thing that I noticed. So every time I felt discriminated against, or I was, you know, blatantly discriminated against when I was little, came from adults. It never, ever came from children. And, yeah. and, you know, we taint our children so much. And I see that you, your personal business, your personal business mission is to be dedicated to the principle that everybody should be treated equal with dignity and with respect. Yeah. And that's so beautiful. And, and I think, let, let me just ask you, do you um, believe that, that that is innately how we grow up and then all of a sudden something happens or parents tell us or, or our adult friends tell us, and then we get tainted. What do you yeah, say? I, I definitely agree. You know, I was always raised, you know, by my parents that you're respectful, no matter what the situation is, you know, and no matter who the person is, it doesn't matter if you're talking to, you know, like, especially when I worked in healthcare, it didn't matter to me if I was talking to a doctor, or the chief of staff, or if I was asking you know, one of uh, one of the housekeepers or the kitchen services to help me. It was always please, thank you, you know, respect, you know, uh, you know, even in times where it's difficult, like say, for example, living in San Diego, we know this crossing the border, you yes. know, crossing the border sometimes is not the easiest situation. And again, like I said, oh, I'm sorry, my uh, landscapers are here. Can I stop for a sec to close the window? Sure, sure. It's going to be loud. I'm so sorry. So, uh <laughs> it never fails. It never fails. But um, so as we're being real here, um, Angelina, yes, um, you know, it's so important for us to realize that that I think we are um, as little kids, you know, we're dedicated to the to your, you know, personal and business mission that we think that we feel everybody should be treated equal. And I think as kids, we do that. We do that. And it's just something happens. And I don't know exactly where and when it goes wrong. But at being an educator, 
when you said you were speak to everybody, but me being an educator, I noticed that we began to see the difference in middle school, the age around 12. Yeah. What do you think? No, I agree. Like I said, the first time anyone had ever said anything to me and, and I go back and I think about it, you know, but he would, you know, there was someone, like I said, at my school and he would yell, oh, she's a bean, you know, and he yelled it, yell it really loud. And, and, and so like, you know, it was, we were friends, we talked, he, he never made me feel bad. But now as an adult, I go back and I wonder, you know, wonder about those things and how it would be perceived now. I mean, now it would be a lot different than it was, you know, back then. Um, but yeah, something changes. I like I said, um, Facebook is an eye opener, and especially with the way that the politics have gone these last couple years, um, people that like I said, I've known my entire life, and then starting to see some of their views, I was like, I never would have figured that they felt that way when we were friends in high school. Right, and 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 it's so true, you know. Um, but let's get into let's get into. Tell me a little bit about. What made you, let's go back from your present, what what made you, what, what was it about Vida? Because you're on the board and what was it about this particular entity that called to Angelina and said, Angelina, you got to be a part of this? Oh my gosh. The biggest part definitely has to be Esteban. The, the, the founder and president of Vita, he is an amazing person. Um, he is passionate about this. He has done most of the work on this organization by himself until he started getting some strong people to support him. And he's grown it. And his passion, his passion for this cause, you know, both, both educating, uh, you know, Latinos, young Latinos about HIV awareness. And, and, and then now we're expanding to, you know, to all you know all communities um that are at risk for hiv as well as helping um homeless um just to see you know just to see someone that that cares about that it makes you care like that's i mean that's just kind of how i am i'm empathetic and and we we met while i was working at the human dignity foundation and he had reached out to me um for some information and we began talking hit it off immediately and um and so as I became involved, you know, we would look for opportunities um, to grow because it was growing. And, you know, as usual with any nonprofit, you know, you need you need the financial support to grow. And we've been able to get he's been, you know, asking, you know, donations from lots of different organizations, but it's usually a sponsorship, small things here and there. And then a few months ago, he saw the the opportunity for the CDC grant, which was huge, is a hundred thousand hey. dollars. And you know, nothing that's even close to what you know what we had done before. But it was it was like the grant was written for us. Oh, and wow. so yeah. So what he had started doing, and you know, and, and we all helped him, of course. But in September of last year, we started going once a month. And standing outside of Urban Mo's, and if anybody from San Diego knows, <laughs> Urban Mo's is the most popular gay bar in San Diego. Yes, and it's lots of fun. I'm there but, once a month. <laughs> yes, there you go. It's, it's it's the best place. It's so much fun. And um, he made a relationship with uh, with them, and they give us a table outside their front door once a month, so that we could give out HIV information and take a self-test kit so that you can actually have an HIV kit, take it with you, 
test yourself and get the results right there. I mean, the same way like a COVID test works, a pregnancy wow. test, you don't have to send it in, you don't have to draw blood. Um, and it's just, it's just an amazing opportunity because there's so many stigmas against HIV that people don't want to get tested. They don't want to go into a clinic. They don't want anybody to see them anywhere near anything that says HIV. So this is super discreet. You know, it's already in a bag when we hand it to them. So it's not even like it's sitting out on the table. Um, we gather some information. Obviously, statistics are important. Um, and now, um, with this grant, he, you know, we were doing it on a small time basis. And we were both, I think, very pleasantly surprised that they approved it. We're one of 53 organizations in the country. Yay. That got this grant. Yeah. And there's only there's only three in San Diego. And, um, and so Yay. now we're, we're gonna, we're gonna expand and we're gonna try to get it out to as many people as we can, and targeting areas that don't necessarily get that access. I mean, you can go to a street fair, in central San Diego, and you might see a booth with something like that, something right. that says, you know, hey, you want to you want a self test kit for HIV. But when was the last time you were in, like, say, East County, or, you know, or certain parts of South Bay, you know, especially, you know, more inland, like what you were talking about, that those kind of things aren't there, you'll see a booth for, you know, face painting, and you'll see a booth for right. a, a community clinic, but you will not see something very large that says, HIV test kits, you know, and so that's where we want to go. We want to go to places that don't traditionally have them. There's still people that think HIV is not an issue anymore. You know, Magic Johnson's still alive. So, I mean, HIV is not a problem. Um, San Diego has a huge problem with HIV. And there's a huge amount of people still that are walking around with HIV that don't know they have it. That don't know they have it. And yeah. you know what? That's isn't that the same? Um, isn't that the same case with a lot of things like even, um, you know, bringing COVID back into the to the mix? There's a lot of people walking around. And so and, you know, San Diego, when I first came, you know, when I first came to awareness, because I was born and raised in San Diego, when I first came to awareness, when I was little, and I was about six, I remember looking and Chula Vista had 33,000 residents. <laughs> when I get just limited. And when I got to college, when I went to San Diego state, there was 33,000 students on one campus. So wow. you can see how much growth, I mean, uh, you know, it's just amazing. And with growth, obviously there's always a spread of, you know, diseases and, you know, and, and we just have to be more careful and more loving and more, um, and really, really, I think it's a, a matter of respect, respect for, as we say, el prójimo, which is, you know, somebody yourself. else, not just yourself too. You got to respect yourself. If you don't take the, the best, the best health insurance out there is proactive and it starts with you at the house. You, what goes into your, you know, you talk about mass destruction, you know, and I'm just going to, and then I'll get off my soapbox because I want to ask you a question, but you talk about mass destruction and the worst, the worst, you know, weapon on earth is the fork. 
right? The fork, because what we fork into our mouth, the majority of the time is not healthy. And so, you know, if we come in contact with something that's out there, say HIV, COVID, you know, the flu, cold, and you don't have a good, you know, solid protected foundation that, you know, that, um, intruder can get right into your home. Right. And so it's just, it's just amazing. So yeah, I, I'm being a, an educator. I was in the <laughs> department. So it was like, okay, guys, come on. But, um, but yeah, you guys are doing amazing things. I am just so happy that I, you know, I am an ally. I am an ally and I am an ally because I have family that is trans. I have family that is gay. My bestest, bestest lifelong friend. We were friends when she, I was her student aide, you know, is gay. Um, she was 27. I was 17. And to this day, you know, she's in her 70s and I'm still her friend. Right. And um, it's just amazing. So you guys are out there doing some great things. But now I want to reel it back in and I want to talk <laughs> about the Mujer de Éxito, Unbounded. So you have done so much for the community. Was there ever a time where you questioned yourself, where you kind of held yourself back and if so, what was that turning point that finally made you say, no, I'm going to put my little girl, my big girl pants on and go? Oh, gosh, I have a funny story for that. So um, in school, uh, I had mentioned to you earlier, too, about um, when we talked about the difference between adults and children, you know, and how they how they treated you. I, you know, I was a self-motivated person, which, you know, which was very, very helpful for me because my life could have been completely different because of the lack of resources that were offered to me. So here I, you know, I pushed myself. I was in honors classes in high school. I was in advanced placements. And just because I chose to take them and because I did have a few teachers that were lifelong mentors um, still were until they, you know, until they passed away that supported me. But as far as like the school system itself, like I didn't realize that I could have gotten a lot of scholarships just for the fact that I was a Latina. I probably talked to my guidance counselor twice, you know, like it wasn't, you know, it was never like, hey, where are you going to go to school here? I was an honor student, you know, and I was in advanced placement classes and no one ever said to me, where are you going to go to school? Where are you going to go to college? And so I just kind of did it on my own. And, and again, because my parents hadn't gone, it wasn't something that they were like, you know, you need to apply, you need to do this. So I, you know, I did everything. I even took, I can't remember what it's called now, but the, oh, ASVAB for the military. And then that was a mistake because I scored really high and they wouldn't leave me alone. But I was just like, oh, I should take it. I should do it. Um, I was fortunate enough to get a scholarship to uh, Marymount Manhattan in New York. And so I was thrilled. I wanted to go to New York. I was, you know, going to live in Manhattan, you know, and, and it was a beautiful part of Manhattan. And my dad said, you are crazy. <laughs> I was 17 years old. You know, there were not cell phones, you know, readily available at that time. And my dad said, how do you think you're going to go to the other side of the country? You have no clue about anything. And there's no way you could do that. And the mistakes that I made were one, not just doing it anyways, 
you know, listening to my parents, because my dad's like, if you go, we're not going to help you. But my dad's telling me I can't go. I'm 17 years old, I can't go. So then I showed him because then I decided I wasn't going to go to school anywhere. But <gasps> he's saying, oh, San Diego's beautiful. You've got San Diego, you've got UCSD, you've got USD, you've got all these good schools. And I'm like, I want to leave and come back. I want to go experience life. So <laughs> in my brilliant mind, I showed him and I did not go to school anywhere and just went to City College for a couple of years. And then uh, I fell in love and got married by the time I was 20. And at around 23, I had a daughter. And then we slowly realized that, you know, I was too young to get married and it wasn't really compatible. And so uh, we decided to separate. And when my daughter was about one years old, that urge came back that I'm like, I was going to City College. I was working. I was I had worked at Girl Scouts at that time and had 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 a great career there with them and learned so much. But that urge, I was like, I want to go to school. And um, I was frustrated that it was going to take me 100 years if I tried to do it through City College and I needed to get going. And so I did. So I went back to school. And so I was half and I always had liked psychology. I never wanted to be in business, which, you know, surprisingly <laughs> now, you know, I was kind of forced in, you know, with the with the laws that changed with AB5 a couple years ago by my lovely cousin, Lorena Gonzalez. Um, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, my so goodness. So I love her. Yeah. She knew yeah. she was torturing me by doing this, but she also knew the importance of changing that law. Um, so it did push me into creating my own business. And um, so when I went to school, I wanted to, I wanted to do psychology. I loved psychology. I thought it was amazing. I loved healthcare. Um, so I was about halfway through my bachelor's program when I realized there's nothing I'm going to be able to do with a bachelor's degree in healthcare other than be a babysitter or, you know, something very minimal. So I said, okay, suck it up. Got to get my master's. Um, and I just pushed through. And it was just one of those things that I did. So I had already been married. I had already been divorced. So of course, dad's paying for school. <laughs> so like I said, I showed him because then all the bills came to me. Um, but I did it myself and, you know, and I, and it, but it's rewarding and I was proud. Yeah. yeah. I was proud that I did it. I, you know, as a, at that time as a divorced single mom, I had a, my daughter was like four. Um, my parents were wonderful. Her dad, you know, was involved. He always was still to this day, you know, is involved in her life. And my mom, when I was working, so I was working, I had started the job at Sharp, uh, Chula Vista, and it was basically similar to what we're doing now. I had to create from scratch a breast cancer patient navigation program, which uh. did not exist at the time. They did not exist in, in California. And um, I was one of the first people to even be certified in the, in the country. Um, wow. And so I was working full time. I had a daughter, a small daughter. I was going to school. And then I started my internship, which was another 16 hours a week on top of what I was already doing. And, and I did it. And, you know, they helped my parents helped my mom would babysit, you know, every Saturday that I was doing my internship, it was down in San Isidro, my mom lived in Chula Vista. So I would literally drop my daughter off on the way, continue down to San Isidro, do my eight hour shift, come back and pick her up. And, you know, yeah, so family, you know, the family support was wonderful. And I did it. And, um, and I think about it now. And I don't know how I had the energy to do all of that. But you just, you just do it. You know, I, I just wanted it and, um, and it, and it served me so well. I was so happy that I was given that opportunity to even be able to do it and learn myself. You know, I had to learn myself how to do it. 
And, and you said one key thing that's really important, self-motivation. I always talk about that because motivation is an internal thing. Inspiration is external. And, um, and again, it sounds, you know, very similar. My, um, I got, um, I applied to, um, different colleges, but according to my, to my husband and I both went to the same high school here in Chula Vista. And my counselor said to me, and if you look at my, if you look in my, um, you know, yearbook, the year I graduated, it says there exactly what he told me to put there because he said, as a Latina, that's all I could aspire to be. That's the highest thing. And that was an executive secretary. And then I, and then I knew I was in trouble because I suck at typing. And after 10 <laughs> times of taking the typing exam, now I passed the filing exam and I passed the short, <laughs> but I could not do it's for crazy. the life of me 40 words per minute. I hated it. And so it was like, yeah. My cousin comes back. He's, you know, a powerful attorney um, in Santa Rosa, came to me one day and said, uh, no, you're going straight into the university. No, you're not going to do and don't listen to those dumbos. They don't know anything and they don't have your, you know, your passion. That's but it was so yeah. funny. It was just my husband was told, by the way, um, I know this is but it's interesting how we need to, we need to surpass those things that are told to us because he was told that because he was a Latino, all he could be was a mechanic. And, you know, many moons later, he's a CPA. And right now he's a CFO of, of a microfinance lending company who has mm -hmm. just expanded his grown. You talk about growing like you guys are when he first started, it was, you know, minimal under the millions. And now they've got hundreds of millions that he's working right. with. And it's so, amazing. you know, thank God we don't listen. Yeah. Thank, so there's one time I think that if you agree with me is what we can tell our Latinas out there is look for another Latina who has paved the way and remember because we are a different breed. Yes. Or, ¿verdad? I mean, yeah, what do you think? Oh, definitely. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I was very fortunate in the fact that my mom had started getting really involved in the community as I was growing up. And as, as, as a typical mom, she would drag me along to everything. So yeah. I would go to things with her. And like I told you, Mana, Mana was a huge influence on my life. And it was amazing to see all these powerful Latinas and learning. Oh, she's a judge. Oh, she's a, you know, I, you know, Mary, Mary Salas, Mary yes. Vista, she's mm -hmm. like an aunt to me you know Venus Molina who uh who is also it was just recently that she's the past president of of um Mana and she works for uh the the city she um she was an hermanita with me she was in that first group of hermanitas wow. that started and now she's you know she's this dynamic figure in San Diego but I had all these women that were doing it and telling me you can do it. And, um, and if it hadn't have been for that, you know, you never know when I got married, you know, my, my ex-husband would have been perfectly happy if I had stayed at home and raised our kids and, you know, and, and just done that. But I had that need in me that I, you know, I needed to do more. I couldn't just 
sit at home. I love, you know, I love my kids and I love being a mom, but I just, I needed to do more. I had that, that desire and it hasn't gone away yet. So let me ask you this and, um, we're almost coming to the end, but I want to, I want you to speak to the Latinas out there, the young Latinas, the older Latinas, the Latinas, and um, and those that are Latina allies, right? Because we, we know that in order for us to get ahead, we need um, also allies, right? So what is the one thing that you would tell them that would make them be that unbounded mujer de éxito? Fight for what you want. Um, you know, I think if, if it's something you want to do, like I said, you know, I didn't, you know, I, I realized a lot of things on my own. Like I said, when I was going to go to college, I just wanted to go to college and get a degree. But once I was there, I realized I needed more than that if I was going to do what I wanted to do. So do what you want to do. You have to care about what you want to do. You have to be passionate. You know, just because you have certain skills doesn't mean that that's what you should do. Uh, growing up, my uncle owned an international trucking company out of Texas. And he told me my whole high school life that I needed to do that. Even tried to give me some jobs working with him, you know, once in a while because I spoke Spanish. And I started taking in community college a couple business classes. And I was like, I never <laughs> want to do this again. And, um, and so you so I switched, you know, I mean, and there were great opportunities to do that, especially there was these Mexican programs that worked with San Diego State and UABC, you know, you could get degrees in both countries. And so I thought, Oh, I'm going to do this. But when I literally started, I had absolutely no interest. So that's kind of the joke that I have my own business now, even though I never <laughs> wanted it. But, um, but yeah, definitely, you know, be passionate about what you want to do and be persistent. You know, I've, I've worked with people that I don't realize till later really weren't helping me, but I just kept doing what I wanted to do and what I knew was, was helping others. And, and, you know, that's how you, how you can feel like you've, you know, done well in your life and had, had success. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Lena. It has been a pleasure to have you, um, to meet you. I hope that we cross paths again and I hope to have you on again. And, and, um, you please, please tell us where, where, uh, the listeners can find you. What is your social handles? So my social handle on Twitter and on Instagram is at Lena Mohi. So just L I N A. M-O-H-I. Um, on Facebook, it is my full name, Angelina Mohi. Um, I do, I'm starting to do these new things like Discord. I don't do just TikTok. I'm, I'm still getting into some of those, but those are the main ones that I'm active on. Um, so welcome to talk to anybody there. And, and then tell us a little bit about where, once again, where can they get um, what they need from Vida, from the organization? So definitely. So obviously our website, uh, vita.community. Um, I know it sounds weird that it's not a .com, but it's .community. It works. Um, also, the third Wednesday of every month from 5 to 8 right now, we're outside Urban Mows in Hillcrest. Um, you can always find me there. Um, we will be expanding, obviously, with this new grant and we'll be everywhere. And that will be on our website as well. Um, we'll also be able to send out kits to people that, you know, can't make it or are um, uncomfortable with, um, asking for something like that in person. 
Perfect. Thank you so much. Gracias por estar aquí. And no, I'm gracias. so happy that you are here. You know, gracias. Gracias por todo. Thank you to all the listeners. If you have any questions, reach out to me, Marty Angel underscore ELC for Empowering Latina Coach. And once again, remember that there are people out there waiting to help you. And thank you so much, Lena. Have a beautiful, beautiful day, everybody. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Adios. This episode brought to you by Celevive Hydrating and Lifting Sheet Mask. The Celevive Hydrating and Lifting Sheet Mask locks in intense moisture to perfectly prime your skin for restful sleep. Apply this relaxing hydration serum several times a week to pamper yourself and radiate your healthier looking complexion. Sheet masking is all the rage right now. Make it a regular part of your healthy skincare regimen today. Celevive Hydrating and Lifting Sheet Mask. Click the link below and get yours today.